Hello everyone, Leslie here. Before we get into our show today, we have a contest. Uh, we're giving away five Blu-ray copies of the movie that we're talking about today, Promising Young Woman, which is out on Blu-ray and digital now. It stars Carrie Mulligan, who was nominated for an Oscar for her role, as, as was writer director Inward Fennell for Best Director, Best Screen, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Picture. So, Shannon and I really like the movie. Our review is a little bit spoiler-filled. If you want to jump to about 20 minutes in, we have our spoiler-free virtual interviews. But if you want to win a copy of the movie, all you have to do is uh, go to our Twitter page, twitter.com slash struggle sesh, and just retweet our pinned tweet, which will be about this episode and the movie. If for some reason you don't have a Twitter account, you, you can send me an email at session at gmail.com. Just put in the title, Promising Young Woman. Uh, U.S. only on the contest. Promising Young Woman out on Blu-ray now with special features, including a feature-length director's commentary. You'll love to see that. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Struggle Session. I'm Leslie the Third, and today we are talking about a new romantic comedy thriller, "Promising Young Woman." Was nominated for uh, some Golden Globes and got nominated for uh, some Academy Awards, and so we're going to be doing uh, our review of the film. And also, and this is very special, uh, Shannon. I think this might be a first in podcasting history. So we were scheduled to do an interview with one of the stars of the film. We're not going to say who, uh, unfortunately, because they just were not available. You know how it is. Crazy. When you're a big-time podcaster mixing with big-time Hollywood people, you know, like sometimes wires get crossed. People are double-booked. We couldn't make it happen, but the production company was able to send us this very interesting thing right so they told us that they were going to send us digital facsimiles of two of the creators of the film fully functioning <laughs> ais that can mm -hmm. answer any question that we have for them digitally it's a first of its kind um and you will be hearing those uh virtual interviews later on in the podcast but i don't know about you shannon but i'm very excited for this opportunity it's really crazy what they can do with ai today you know like how far technology has come so we're going to have uh the director emerald Fennell, as well as star of the film carrie mulligan the, digitally the the digital facsimile versions of them the replicants replicant replicant is that is that if is, is replicant a slur it's Shannon, probably i don't know if it's technically a slur i don't think that they would want to be called replicants they might not want to be called well, well, well we, we can might get called them. out for it we can learn 
and be better. We'll ask them their uh, cybernetic designations <laughs> when we get to it. Very excited for that opportunity. But first, let's talk about this movie, Promising Young Woman. And I do want to say spoilers kind of do matter on this movie, and we will be talking a few spoilers. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Shannon, uh, what did you think about Promising Young Woman? I, I know a lot of people that I like follow hated it, and I, I didn't know how I would feel about it or if I would just find it too depressing. I think towards the beginning, some of the dialogue and the sort of girl boss does she uh, girl boss stuff she does is a little silly and a little too much for me. But otherwise, I kind of loved it. I liked it a lot. It's it's not a happy movie. It's I, I think people responded negatively because it is kind of bleak about how you can try to fight back against like rape culture and how to act within Me Too stuff. But I maybe it's just how cynical or sad I am. But I really liked it. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the ending like would turn off a lot of people because it is mm-hmm. a very dark ending. But it's the type of ending that like I expected actually to be darker, if anything. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, some of the things they had set up because this movie it it is in a lot of different worlds. Like you mentioned, the girl boss thing. I kind of looked at it as like it, it felt like a very almost like a satire of Obama era mm-hmm. uh, like comedies, like the hangover or bridesmaids it felt like that very kind of hyper clean yuppie like return of the yuppie-ish late you know pre-trump era type send-up stuff like the league all these like you know they all take place in like suburb like almost suburban chicago type shows and stuff and it was kind of a parody of that but then in the, when you get more to the meat of the movie, it becomes like a Hitchcockian thriller for a, a, a lot of the movie. And it felt like two different movies, but I really like the Hitchcock stuff a lot more than I like kind of the hangover bridesmaid mm-hmm. stuff. Even though they were tied together pretty well by the end. Well, a version of this movie that really would be over the moon for would be like a shorter, tighter thriller version of the movie with a little bit less of the comedy. But I actually think by the end, they do tie it together pretty well. I think, I think it does work. It wasn't too jarring, but it is weird to have scenes where, like, even earlier on, Alfred Molina is, like, crying because he regrets what he did so much as, like, a lawyer for rapists. And then it cuts to, like, Laverne Cox as the sassy black best friend in the cafe talking to her. Like, the, the back and forth between those sort of, like, almost different cinematic worlds that it's pulling from was a little bit jarring. And I, but I think it worked the best with Bo Burnham. Because, like you said, with spoilers, um, he's just like this, like really goofy, kind of charming, kind of annoying guy. And then by the end, it's like, oh, he was completely complicit in this horrible thing that happened. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know a lot about Bo Burnham, but he does not seem like a person who would ever be in the movie that I would want to (laughs) watch. But he is, he is like very good in this, actually, Mm -hmm. like very good. Is is this like one of his first like films? Because I know he's more of like a you a personality a youtuber like musician stand-up person right does he do a lot of acting well recently he did he wrote and directed the movie eighth grade which is about like being in middle school it stars like it's like about a little girl and uh kind of spoilers for eighth grade it does go into sort of dark not straight up sexual assault stuff but it does deal with how like how horrible that experience can be and that's sort of a part of like his stand-up too like male predation i guess or just exploring that so some of it like i could not stand him when i was in high school because he and i are about the same age and i think he's gotten a lot better but i can't think of anything he's acted in that would be as good or serious as this 
and I hope he can get more roles. But I would recommend Eighth Grade. I thought that was really good. Yeah, like he really seems like the most most annoying guy you would <laughs> think in this movie, but he ends up giving like having like a real like arc and character and like you feel kind of sorry and really bad for him at certain points and you're on his side and then it shifts like entirely and you see that character shift his behavior now that his his uh perception has been change that is really like I, there's a lot of strong stuff in here i really like just thought it was a really good film i if anything i i just feel like you could do a lot of addition to this film with subtraction like a 90 minute version of this movie i think would be a really tight scary tense uh thriller uh throughout because there really are some like really good scenes like like some really good shots and some really tense scenes uh too and it's not that the comedy is bad i actually think i like i laughed out loud at a lot a lot of the jokes but it actually kind of took me away from the horror and the creepiness uh to be enjoying the little the silly jokes so much i think the only the jokes that melded well with that were really depressing ones toward the towards the end with like the rapist's best friend and how kind of pathetic they are oh and yeah how he covers for him and stuff i i like that kind of uh dark humor and stuff like this but yeah compared to that the like you said the hangover type stuff earlier yeah on the dark is, is humor was good but that yeah but kind of the hangover type jokes but i i really just ended up liking this movie a lot more than i i expected especially when you got to see uh her uh, cassie the character become basically kind of like the joker in the yeah. middle this movie was was uh, produced by margot uh, robbie and there's a like almost like a homage to harley quinn uh in this movie and it gets like really dark she kind of becomes a villain and but at a certain point the film kind of pulls back from that where she's not really doing the things she's doing she's not actually killing people she's not actually setting up people for horrific acts of revenge she's just kind of making the threats and when i was watching i I was kind of thinking i kind of wish that she did go through it i I wish this was she really did cross that line from being a justified person uh looking for justice to crossing the line to revenge like you see in um you know older like 70s movies films like um lady prisoner scorpion uh, 701 where she starts off as like this victim of circum circumstance sexual violence and patriarchy but then she uh, in her quest for revenge she crosses the line from victim to victimizer and i kind of would like to see more of that in this movie i think it is like her her dad points out to her like they've missed their daughter because she's just been so consumed in this and it's very sad but ultimately she's just a victim throughout that entire movie like the way she gets her revenge is like kind of an ultimate victimhood and i liked it and i kind of understood what it was saying i think that might be the reason that people really didn't really didn't like this movie or respond very negatively to it. it it looks so modern in the beginning like very modern romantic comedy filmmaking in the beginning that you sort of lose the fact that it is trying to feel more like a, a joker where it's harkening mm-hmm. back to the gritty 70s films where yes the main the protagonist might die uh 15 minutes before the end for no particular reason and you just have to deal with that that and that's basically kind of what happens at the end here and a really 
brutal scene where you see this character whose head you've lived in for all this time be suffocated to death in a realistic time frame. Like Mm -hmm. it's like three or four minutes and it's a really like brutal over the top deliberately. So scene where you this character just gets snuffed out and you don't see her face uh, again like you and you've been staring at her face the whole time you've been looking at her and just she gets immediately like smushed out and erased like off frame but still in a very visceral way i wish there was more of that visceral violence earlier on i wish she had gotten to inflict uh some of it she inflicts you know some very visceral threats like that when she threatens the dean's daughter things like that um what she does to madison it feels very visceral but then they pull back from that and i wish she there was just more of that visual horror visceral horror and violence that she got to do uh before she got snuffed out like that like she might not have even been planning to kill the guy i think she was just going to carve her dead friend's name into his stomach yes that's what would suggest it's like well you could like maybe she could have got more hits in or like half killed him because he just sort of panics and kills her it's not even and it's it's more realistic i guess he's really upset but it's like in a different movie he might have been portrayed as more evil or like planning to kill her or more deliberate or enjoying it he's just like terrified because he knows yeah. he's caught and he's like worried about his wedding and then his best friend comes in and makes him feel better, which I did feel was like a little bit more realistic. Kind of think you could take the, her scenes of her hunting men and that subplot. You, if you take that out of the movie, it's still the same movie. And mm-hmm. I think kind of a better movie where she ends up seeking the friend only because she meets Bo Burnham, who happens to know the rapist. And that kind of sends her off on the revenge as opposed to her already spinning these nights taking revenge out on uh, random men. I, I, I wasn't quite sure what that added to the movie, except to maybe try to, I, I, it felt like it was trying to justify why she would take such extreme action later, but I just don't think it was needed. I don't think you need to set up that she was already stalking and hunting men and look for men. But in, in those scenes, they do make the point that, She's looking for the nice guys, not these, mm-hmm. not the stereotypical, you know, jump dark back alley, you know, predator. The guy who knows what to say and how to cover his ass and how to cover himself and knows how to say all the right things that he can make it make it say, oh, you're uh, uh, no, it was perfectly consensual. I ain't doing anything wrong. And it, and how that sort of predator is taken care of by all the institutions, by the schools, by his friends, by, you know, even other women who were friends with the victims, like that, how that, you know, whole culture uh, manifests itself. And she doesn't really even get revenge on them. She just kind of does it like an epic clap back and makes fun of them and then like leaves when they were physically, like some of them get their hands in her pants or whatever. Like she doesn't even try to get them fired or, or yeah. there, there's no, there aren't any real repercussions for it. And people who do stuff like that, I don't think that would be enough to stop them. She doesn't attack them. She doesn't really do it. That, that, I think that's why that when I talked about the girl boss stuff, it's like, she'll just say something really smart alecky to them and make them feel bad and then just leave. And I'm like, well, that's kind of ineffectual in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do that, like she should be like, like you're, you're supposed to think that she kills uh, the first guy, Adam mm-hmm. Brody, I think. But it ends up not being the case. I'm like, yeah, she should be killing these guys already. Let's like American Psycho this up then. Like, like let's just uh, let stab that- them or think or like have a, the hallucination scene 
like an American Psycho where he puts the kitten in the ATM, like she stabs him and then comes. I don't know. I I, yeah. I did like a lot. Um, the scene where she's first hanging out with Bo Burnham and it seems like he likes her a lot. Then he's like, "Do you want to come back to my apartment?" And she gets she gets inordinately upset, but you understand her motivation for it. Like the relationship when they start is is like fun and complicated. Um, yeah. And I liked everything with his character kind of turning out to be a coward and not a great. But he also isn't played as like completely evil or like a, no. a but it makes it a lot more realistic. It's like, oh, even the nice guys that you that you feel close to who themselves would not necessarily ever rape anybody or women who would never rape anybody do protect people who would. And, and he's like, yeah, I'll just go to his wedding. It's fine. Remember that guy? Ha ha. When she shows him the video and he and forces him to like admit his pardon, he's like, like I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? And she says no. And it's like, like there's it does the conversation doesn't just stop at saying, oh, he's all all these guys are hypocrites and like they have chances to redeem themselves. Like the um the lawyer sort mm -hmm. of does. She feels like he's redeemed himself. The uh, Madison, I don't know if she thinks she's if she's redeemed in the movie, but she kind of lets her off the hook the the arrest ending is kind of a problem for this where you just end up with the cops just arresting people because that's not how these things end but i do think even the with the video they might not go to jail anyway yeah, like it yeah, doesn't but, you know that doesn't really mean anything yeah but i think that the, the the film at least points towards something of some sort of out justice outside of the legal system where people actually make up for what they do to people and the harm they cause. And it's not just the worst actors. It's all the people who are complicit in it kind of try to own up and live up to it. At least it points to that, even though that's not where we uh, end up by the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I, if anything, at least his wedding got ruined. That's sort of, I guess, yes. more the purpose of the <laughs> <laughs> One moment that stood out to me too, his like nasty best friend is like being gross about women at Bo Burnham at the wedding. Bo Burnham is disgusted by him and it's like even though he's a terrible person there's like degrees of terrible or he's still consistent and so I thought that was interesting too that he just also didn't become slimy or that the, these people have yeah. their own personalities within this system yeah usually in these type of movies once you expose someone as the hypocrite then he goes all full full tilt evil mm -hmm. um but then but it, it, they didn't do it that in this movie and it's just it is more nuanced the, the character Bo Burnham's character never just becomes a monster you know he's just like it, he he becomes like you see like when he's pushed by carrie like he he says something really awful and nasty to her but you still get the sense that like he wants to still be with her and wants to find something else that's why i also would like if she had gone further where we show like her complete outright rejection of him is seen as her like uh because you see this in, in other kind of revenge movies too, where the uh, the revenger will befriend someone who might be on the other side of their revenge, and they feel betrayed in a way that's over the top, and then that sends them down this much darker path because then they have no one uh, they can trust. I, I would like to see a little bit of that in this movie, just something a little bit more seventies, a little bit more, you know, schlocky. Uh, I think what made this movie a little bit more fun, but a as it is, I really, really did enjoy it. And it surprised me a lot. It was a ton of fun. I thought it was pretty funny for a very heavy subject matter. It had a lot of humor and a lot of dark humor too. It didn't, it didn't have like cutesy, necessary cutesy humor to cover up the darkness. It had some pretty, uh, dark human that really worked 
Yeah, I, w- I was talking to my friends about this movie, and it's like, even if you don't think you'll like it, you should check it out just to sort of be aware of it and think about it. It's really interesting in that way, and it's like definitely of this time. Like, it, it draws from 70s rape revenge movies, but it's of this time, and I think it's worth yeah. watching either way. Even if, like, you might find some of the, just d- like the same stuff I didn't like, like some of the earlier on humor, or, or find the ending too bleak, it's like, well, you should still watch it and check it out. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a definitely a worthwhile movie. I I enjoyed it a lot. And with that being said, let's get on to our interviews. All right, we're back and we're here with uh, Emerald Fennell and uh, Carrie Mulligan's facsimile digital representations here. And we're just going to ask them a couple of questions. We've been told that this is going to be a very natural process. This is going to be the new way that we're all going to be doing interviews soon. So I'm, I'm excited. At the end, they, we, they told us they can answer absolutely any question we can think of, Shannon. So, I, Shannon, I know you're a film expert. I, 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 I consider myself a film expert. So we're going to try to stump these uh, AIs with questions that there's absolutely positively no way that anything less than a fully sentient being could answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And first question, what's your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene to direct, I think was one of the early scenes with Kerry Mulligan and Adam Brody, um, because they're both such brilliant performers and it's such an important scene. It's the scene where he takes her home. Um, And it was, it, it was just brilliant because how I sort of, described it to Adam was you think you are the hero of a romantic comedy and you think this is the beginning of a huge romance and you're going to play the scene of romantic comedy even though the woman you're talking to is barely able to string a sentence together and I think that's what's so astonishing and and shocking about this stuff is that for so many people they don't they 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 have lost sight of where the boundaries are so so far that actually they don't know anymore or they've failed to interrogate anymore how abusive their behavior is and so watching adam brody play a romantic hero and kiss carrie incredibly passionately with a kiss that he he you know leans back and says wow as though it was you know the beginning of the love affair of the century while carrie brilliantly um, sort of sat sardonically um, playing drunk was, I think that kiss is really something uh, that sort of it, the whole, fi- it's, it encapsulates the whole film really, which is that it is shocking and grotesque and also horribly funny and familiar. I think one of the first scenes that I ever shot with Bo was this was our first scene together where I spit in his coffee. And on the first couple of takes, I, I was spitting in his coffee and he was actually drinking it, um, which I don't know if he totally kind of clocked until about three takes in. Um, so that was a pretty quick bonding, very pre-COVID experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were so many. We just had the most amazing cast coming in. So I feel like every day was memorable. But the dinner table scene with Jennifer Coolidge and Clancy Brown, where Bo's character comes over for dinner, was one of the most hilarious days of work I've ever done. And the whole crew couldn't keep it together when Jennifer was improvising because the stuff that she was coming out with was just 
some of the funniest dialogue I've ever heard, most of which has not been able to make it into the film. So that was that was a pretty fun day. Um, for Carrie, why did you take this role? I mean, I suppose it was sort of a pretty selfish decision at first. I just wanted to play this part um, and I wanted to be a part of Emerald's vision. So um, I think the character was so enticing that the sort of wider story was sort of an afterthought initially. Um, but getting to prepare for the film and be part of conversations with Emerald about the film just got me so excited to for this story to be told in this way through Emerald's very unique vision. Uh, and yes, Carrie, again, what was it like working with Emerald? Well, we learned from each other working on this project that we had already worked together. That was something that we couldn't, even, we hadn't even remembered until we were about two weeks into filming. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, you know, watching Emerald at work was so amazing because, you know, she was a first time feature filmmaker, but looking at her on set, she could have directed 15 films before that. Um, she was just absolutely in command of what she was doing. So I think I learned that directing is incredibly hard and you have to be insanely talented to pull it off the way that Emerald did. Um, but I think, you know, the great thing about our relationship was that we came into this friends already. Um, and I respect her so much and felt so comfortable being directed by her and had so much faith in her that it was a very, very easy relationship on set. And I think those relationships make films better. I think when people are comfortable, they, they do better work. And Emerald definitely made an incredibly inviting, warm um, and friendly set. Okay, Emerald, we have one more question for you. Um, why is Promising Young Woman a must-own film? Well, it's not really for me to say why Promising Young Woman is a must-own film. I mean, obviously, I'm fairly biased, but I do think you're, you know, if you if you love movies as much as I do and you want to, you know, watch something over and over again, like I do to see the details and the care taken by every department, everyone who worked on this film was so diligent and so um, imaginative that I think it does, you know, it does stand up to multiple viewings and you know, certainly the movies that I love, I, I like to own so I can watch them or at least watch parts of them. Um, so, yes. And also, you know, I think the cover is tremendous. So it will at least look nice in your apartment. Shannon, I'm I'm impressed. I I didn't think they would get that last one. That last one, especially. Yeah, I tried to ask the tough questions, but they came through. I'm, I'm shocked by this brave new world we're in but uh thank you so much for listening to the struggle session have a good one y'all take care Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or struggle session.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.